Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble, with exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Families have a lot going on. Let Ollie help manage the mental load with new cognitive help supplements for everyone four and up, like delicious Lolly Focus Pops or Lolly Mellow Pops for kids. And for parents, try three new Brainy Chews to help you focus, chill out, or get energized. Find these cognitive health buddies for the whole fam at Ollie.com. That's O L L Y.com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. A lot of us only see the vagina as a pleasure object. I don't date women who have sex with non-African men. Even if it was just an experience? Because it's the best vagina in existence. Fuck up, open. How can you fully love if you're too afraid to get hurt? When she says, are you cheating on me? Your ego want to say, fuck yeah, I'm cheating. We got an epidemic of black men killing their women. I'm a psychologist, not a psychic. They have learned this is the only way I can get a man's attention. Welcome to Hardly Initiated. It is your host, Tyshawn Jackson, in here with another very special episode with my co-host, Ryan Ketchins. Boy, we are kicking off a new year. It's really popping. We're kicking off yeah. a new year and a very special weekend, because for those of you who don't know, it's January 14th, the weekend of MLK Day. This is the MLK Eve right here. Big fast. The day before the 15th, and we're doing it very special. Because we are going to be shooting this episode here with, you know, arguably one of the greatest voices of my generation at this point. Because we in here rocking with a certified school psychologist, doctor of clinical psychology, author and the prince of Pan-Africanism. We in here rocking with Dr. Umar Johnson. Welcome to Hardly Initiated. Pan-Africanism. <laughs> Glad to be here, brothers. Thanks for having me. Atlanta, want to give a shout out to Atlanta, one of my biggest support cities. Yeah. You know, whenever I come to Atlanta, the people always show up and show out. This is also the state of my maternal ancestors. Uh, we come from deep in South Georgia. So this is kind of back home, home away from home. And Atlanta is one of the first cities I spoke at when I did blow up back in 2010. Yeah. So this wow. is a very special place for me. And uh, this is the first live YouTube interview I've done. This is huge. History in the making <laughs> right here. And I told, I, I was telling him earlier, man, my mom was sending me, I think my mom actually introduced me to Dr. Umar back in like 2012. And um, I must say, actually, it's, it's her birthday as well. Big shout out. Happy birthday to you moms. Happy, happy birthday. birthday to the queen mother. Fast. And I'm going to give my mama an early birthday greeting as well on the 23rd. 23rd. Yeah, happy early birthday. Happy Just early birthdays going on in here. And we got something special going on. I can't wait to get in this conversation, family, because we y'all seen it. The state of black relationships. We're going to go there. We're going to take it there. So y'all get ready because this is going to be a very powerful session that we're going to have here today and hardly initiated. But what I want to do first is, right, to tell the people the special things we got coming. Now, see, this is the thing. I don't want to go into too many announcements because we already made the biggest announcement, which is yes. we got Dr. Umar Johnson in the building. So I will say this. Today is the last day for the pre-release special of the hardly initiated dating cards, guys. So yes. love 20. 
make sure you get that discount and the cars is moving fast like they are people are really wanting to find connection they want to know the right questions to ask and the cars just do the trick <laughs> that's the <laughs> trick y'all so the link is in the description as well as in the chat you put love 20 in there you get 20 percent off for my first people it's gonna take about two weeks to get in there for your pre-order so just be patient with us but that's why we're gonna hook you up with that 20 percent off and go ahead and cop those asap and big shout out to everybody that's in here ready to get this conversation popped off because I have a conversation that I feel like, Dr. Umar, you are absolutely most qualified to help us out on here. Because, man, when I turn on, you know, my computer and I, I, I look on social media or just see the conversations that's being had, it seems like it's truly a great divide Correct. between black men and women today. True. Especially in, in the space of love and relationships. Correct. It just seems like we don't have a, a ton of trust mm -hmm. among one another. Mm -hmm. You know, everybody is very cynical about mm -hmm. long term relationships. Mm -hmm. And this is I would call it a major crisis mm. right now agree. in our community. I would agree with that. We already know we have an economic crisis mm -hmm. in the community. But now we see that this family and this relational crisis that we have that's rising which one would you say is greater right now as far as an issue or potential issue for the future of our, our, our relationships and our family? I would say that they're related. Uh, if we look at this in its proper context, we go back and we see that the rise of the single black mother led household doesn't begin until the 70s. Up until then, most of our homes had a mother and a father. So slavery didn't destroy the black family. We stayed married through slavery. I know my ancestors in particular, they kept the family together through slavery. So it wasn't slavery that did it. It was the economic disintegration of the black community. So after they assassinated Dr. King, the U.S. government decided upon a policy to destroy the black man's ability to fund any future civil rights efforts. So they came into the inner cities and they took out all the all the factory jobs, stripped the black man of his ability to earn. Remember, up until the 70s, they were not pushing go to college in order to be a success. You can live a decent life working in any of the major inner cities as a laborer. So they took that out. Then they went into the high schools and stripped the high schools of the industrial building training programs. So carpentry, auto mechanic, welding, roofing, uh, electric, plumbing. They yeah. took all that out. Those was the skills that paid the bills. In essence, what they did was they made the black man economically irrelevant to the black woman. Mm. I want to say that one more time. Mm. The 70s was the beginning of the process of making the black man economically irrelevant to the black woman. A man's primary responsibility is to protect and to provide. We can protect, but the providing is the issue. Now, you fast forward that 65 years until now, since Dr. King's assassination, a lot of our women don't understand the political history that brought about the economic devastation of the black male. If my woman wakes, makes more money than me, that in and of itself is not a problem unless she attributes the reason she makes more money than me to the fact that I'm lazy, I'm shiftless, I'm irresponsible, I'm unaccountable. It's the interpretation of the reality that's our problem. Because if my woman makes more money than me, then so be it. That shouldn't necessarily be an issue unless she feels some types of way about that or if I feel some type of way about that because it does go both ways. You have sisters who feel like they can emotionally abuse and emasculate brothers if they have more education and income. Mm -hmm. On the flip side, you got brothers who cannot accept a relationship where the woman out earns and out educates him. Mm -hmm. So it can go both ways. But that economic piece is major because we're the only men in America who are out earned by our women. We're the only ones. And it's by design. Now, when you come to YouTube and you see the back and forth banter between the men and the women, a lot of that is due to poor political education and understanding of the reality. But another part of it is trauma. Yeah. See, we got to understand when we get emotional, we're dealing with our unconscious pains and memories. Nobody's in the present moment when you get emotional. The minute you are overrun by your emotions, that's your trauma talking. And one of the reasons black male female relationships are so dysfunctional is you got traumatic man trying to relate to traumatic woman. Neither one of them is dealing with the person across the table because they're both reacting from past hurt.
which is why I believe that when you get out of one relationship before you go into another one, you need a period of healing because if in fact you were in love, it's going to take you a while to heal your soul back because love is the process of two becoming one. So if that was really love before you move on, you got to take a break and heal. The problem, gentlemen, is we don't like to take the break and heal. And the reason yeah. why black men and black women don't like to take the break to heal is when you are in solitude. And this is why spirituality functions on a foundation of solitude. When you are alone, your soul forces to the surface issues in your life that you need to address that you don't feel like addressing. Mm. So the reason I'm rushing out to get another woman isn't because I'm ready to build another relationship. It's because when I'm home alone, I deal with my abandonment of my mother. I deal with my sexual abuse of my uncle. I deal with the emotional emasculation I suffered from my mother. I'm dealing with the bullying from my siblings. You see that. Yeah. So how do you escape your internal demons? You run out and you date. And so in the black community, dating and mating has become the newest drug. It's how we escape from taking responsibility for our emotional health. Wow. Damn. Dating is the new drug. I mean, that makes yeah. perfect sense. It Dating does. absolutely has become a drug. And we talked about that a bit with us not wanting to deal with our baggage. So you you covered a spectrum of issues that we have right now that got us here. You talked about how pretty much the government has played a hand in our circumstance. Our trauma has played a hand in our circumstance. Absolutely. And those two together, you know, has created pretty much what we see today correct when we're looking at the banter coming uh, uh that's happening between men and women yes today this is the the uh the, the outcome of that are we my issue is are we do you see us preparing for the resolve do we have things in place right now for us to have realistic solution i don't think so and the reason why I don't believe we are there yet, if I look at it from a therapeutic standpoint, in order for me to get to a place of resolve, to a place of solution, I have to be willing to empathically hear the other side out. We don't hear the other side. We talk to each other, but we do not listen. It's yelling. The women are yelling at the brothers. The brothers are yelling at the women. I have yet to hear a serious conversation on YouTube that in, that involved reflective listening. So, sister, based on what you're telling me, you hurt because you have had man after man come into your life, use you for your physical assets and fail to invest in you as a woman. Am I hearing you? Yes, you're hearing me. How can we do better as men to not disappoint our women? Because see, here's the situation. As we know, the woman is the first teacher of the child. So that scorn, unconsciously, she's not doing it on purpose, but the scorn is being passed down to the daughter. You see that? So the daughter is being raised with this animosity towards black men before she's even old enough to date or understand what it is. So if we as men want to improve the relationship opportunities for our grandchildren's grandchildren, we have to be much more careful with the hearts of our women because whatever pain we put in her, she's going to transmit psychosocially to her daughter without even being conscious of it. So we're not just dealing with the failure of black on black love right now. We're dealing with the failure of black on black love for the rest of this century. So you talked about earlier the rise of single motherhood in our community. It, if anything, turned our community into a matriarch True. at that point in time. True. Are we still there in 2024? The matriarchy isn't in and of itself a problem because not all African societies are patriarchal. You have matriarchal African societies. The issue is when the woman feels that because she's had to bear the brunt of responsibility for raising the children and paying the bills, that the man should have no voice. Mm. So matriarchy by itself is not a problem. Patriarchy alone is not a problem. It's only when we take this matriarchy, patriarchy, and marry it to a European narrative that says, because I'm the breadwinner in this home, 
I don't have to listen to the other person. We devalue the role of the man and we devalue the role of the woman based on European values. Because guess what? How much you earn has nothing to do with what you can contribute to the system and to these children. So all of us have been influenced negatively by the white man's power structure to the point where even in our house, he's still operating at a distance through the way that we think. Take economics, money and sex. Those two variables play too big of a role in our relationships. Sex is important. Money is important, but they should not be the be all and end all of whether or not the relationship is going to make sense. And if money and sex are dominating the relationship, the relationship is being ran on a superficial structure because money runs out. How you perform in bed, that will dim over time, too. So we cannot be coming together for money and sex, because if that's the case, this really isn't a relationship. It's a pleasure contract. And a lot of us in the community have pleasure contracts we call relationships. And the difference between a pleasure contract and a relationship is a relationship requires obligation and accountability. See, when you have a pleasure contract, I sex my queen when I sex her. We go to the movies when we want to go to the movies. We go to the Bahamas when we want to go to the Bahamas. We go to the festival when we want to go to. It's all pleasure based. I see you when you want to see me. You see me when you want to see me relationship i'm accountable to you whether we having fun or not mm. relationship your long-term best interest as a human being is part of my responsibility a lot of people are calling pleasure contracts and situationships which is when neither one of you really know what the hell this is we're calling them relationships and they're not so number one we got to be honest about what the, the the particular structure is is this situationship we just trying to figure it out is this a pleasure contract? We just having fun in and out of the bed when we feel like it? Or is this a relationship where you're going to be accountable to me even when you are angry and upset and don't want to be bothered? What exactly is this? Because there's a big difference. And unfortunately, because we don't communicate with the women in our lives as men, once they open their legs, they tend to assume that there's some sort of a relationship here. Mm. No matter how minuscule, we never clarify that. And the reason we never clarified that is in our selfishness as men, we like to have our cake and eat it too. So we know she's developing a bond. You understand? But we're never going to clarify the bond because I want to be able to dip out the back door the minute she puts too much responsibility on me. Where had if you told her up front, this is just a pleasure contract, an arrangement, she could have probably done a better job of keeping her feelings to herself. But because we don't want to see her with nobody else. We would rather run the risk of, 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 of hurting her spiritually and emotionally than let her go free to find what she really needs. Mm. Selfishness plays a big role in this. Now, let me ask you this, because uh, you mentioned about money and sex. What should be at the root of a healthy relationship? For me, the, 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 the foundation of a healthy relationship, first of all, let's deal with the four essentials. In order for the relationship to work at all, you got to have humility. A lot of times we don't have humility. If the relationship is based on ego, it's not a relationship. You see that ego means you hear me, but I don't have to hear you. That's not a relationship. That's a master slave relationship where you have one person who has all the power and the other person who does not. And to that point, that is a very toxic situation we see in our community, too, where the woman is the slave master and the man is the slave or the man is the slave master and the woman is the slave. And you've seen these relationships where one person makes all the decisions and have all the power and the other person needs to remain silent unless spoken to, you see, which goes down another road of where you should not be dating if you have low self-esteem. Because people with low self-esteem will always be taken advantage of in the dating arena. And too many men and women are out there looking for their ideal mate, but you don't have the ideal self-esteem in order to engage the type of mate that you want. So if I speak to a young sister, what type of man you want? I speak to a young brother, what type of queen you want? They describe them. Is your self-esteem at a level that this type of person would want you? Ooh. Because you can't hide how you feel about yourself. Once you've been around a queen for a couple of weeks, she know how you feel about yourself, just like you know how she feel about herself when you've been around her for a couple of weeks. So the role of self-esteem is critical because as you know, a player, a brother who knows how to game women, he can read their level of self-esteem quickly. He knows exactly what 
her thirsty meter is hitting at. You yeah. see? And a woman knows exactly what his thirsty meter is hitting at. Absolutely. But getting back to those four essentials, you need humility. I got to be humble enough to be quiet when she's wrong to hear her out. I got to be humble enough to remain quiet while she's expressing her points about me. Everything she just said may be wrong. She may have accused me of cheating. She may have accused me of all kinds of things. But guess what? This is her truth in this moment. Let me shut the fuck up. Let her say what she needs to say. When she's done, reflective listening. Baby, you believe the reason I came home at one o'clock last night because I was over my baby mom's. Is that how you feel? Do you believe that? Okay, let me try to prove it. You see? Let me try to prove to you that I was not there. You see what I'm saying? Yeah. The problem with us, because most of us was raised by women, mm -hmm. we get a little bitchy. You see that? So when our queen get bitchy, we want to get bitchy right back. That's not the behavior of a man. That's not masculine. Masculinity says she's in her pain. And because she's in her pain, I'm going to validate her even if she's incorrect because I don't ever want her to feel that I don't understand where she's coming from. We get right into defense mode, raised by single black mothers. We want to give her back the same energy she's given us. That's a gridlock. We don't move nowhere. You got to have humility. The next thing you got to have is you got to have communication. One of the biggest mistakes we have in our relationships in the black community, we want our partners to read our minds. If you're in a relationship with a woman who needs you to read her mind, that is an emotionally immature woman and you need to end it. A woman should be able to tell a man what she wants and how she feels. And a man should be able to tell a woman what he wants and how he feels because it goes both ways. Whenever you're in a relationship and somebody expects you to read their mind, as I've often said to sisters, I'm a psychologist, not a psychic. You understand? I observe <laughs> and evaluate. I can't read. You see? So tell me how you feel. The reason why a lot of sisters would rather us feel them out than communicate to us how they feel is they're afraid of rejection. They don't want to verbalize it because they're afraid it may get rejected. So mm -hmm. they would rather you read the mind so they don't have to uh, uh, garner uh, 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 the audacity to tell you exactly how they're feeling. In other words, you need to make a decision whether or not you're going to marry me. We've been in this relationship for three years. You see that? Yeah. She wants to say it. She ain't got the courage because she's afraid of what your response is. Mm. So she's been pouting around the house, acting up like, what's wrong with her? She want to know where this relationship is going. But she's not going to say it because you ain't giving her the confidence to say that. You see? Mm. So we have to make sure that when we are dating people, we're dating people who mirror our psychological age. Because all of us have a biological age. We also have a psychological age. So let's say you're 45 years old biologically. Your queen is 45 years old biologically. But she's been traumatized, raped, abused, abandoned by her father, emotionally <clears throat> scarred by her mother. Although she's 45 biologically, psychologically, she could be 12. Mm -hmm. Psychologically, you could be six. And a big reason why a lot of our relationships don't work out is you got two people who are around the same biological age, but psychologically, they're at two different levels. You see this, you're like, damn, why is she acting like a child? Why he acting like a child? Because guess what? They are not psychologically where you are. And here's a big problem we have. We think we've met our match when we get into a relationship where we never argue and there's no type of conflict or disagreement. That's a trap. You know why that's a trap? Everybody has a pain body. You got one, you got one, I got one, they got one. What is a pain body? That is an energy that you carry within your soul. It's a deep part of your unconscious that contains the memory of every negative experience you ever had in your life. From the time you got bullied, you know, from uh, uh, your father spanking you in front of your friends, your girlfriend cheating on you. Everything you went through negative is in this pain body, right? You have one. Everybody got one. If you've never seen it activated in your queen to be, it ain't time to get married yet. Because you have to determine whether or not you can live with her pain body when it gets activated. See, mm. this is where we date for five years and everything been great. We moved in for one month. Now we getting a divorce. You know why? Because it's easy to date when y'all don't have to share the same space. It's easy to date when y'all don't have to share the same space. Now y'all sharing the same space and all that that she kept hidden in her or all that you kept hidden in you. Now it's going to come out. And do you want to know why? The ego doesn't like to lie. Your ego never wants. When she says, are you cheating on me? You say no, if you are. 
your ego want to say, fuck yeah, I'm cheating. And I'm going, <laughs> you see? You see? The ego doesn't like the lie. You see? Right. So once you're forced, three things normally force the ego to tear the mask off. Because when we dating each other, we're basically dating the ideal self. We're projecting before the other person. We're not dating who we really are. When you meet somebody, you never tell them, I'm an alcoholic. I have trouble showing up for work at time. I had 10 jobs in the past year. My father left me. I grew up in a brothel with my mother who was a prostitute. Mm. You're not telling her none of that. She has to figure out all your flaws on her own, just like you have to figure out all her flaws on your own. You see that. And so that's why we don't trust each other when we begin dating, because we both know we got a pain body. We both know we got baggage and neither person wants to be transparent about what their issues are from the beginning. Damn. See, we force the other person to learn them on their own. So nobody trusts nobody because I know you got shit in your closet and you ain't giving me none of it. And because I got to study you and I don't know how long I'm going to have to study you, I'm going to try to hold my feelings back as much as I can. And for that very same reason, we like to keep something on the side, too, because if this don't work out, I need something else to fall out on. Well, guess what? Mm. If you got something on the side, there's no way you can be fully committed to this. Now, let me tie trauma back into this. How can you fully love? If you're too afraid to get hurt. Right. And if you can't fully love because you're too afraid to get hurt, you have no business dating in the first place. Because what you might mistake for love is nothing more than a psychologically unhealthy attachment or addiction for someone else's presence in your life to validate you. Mm. Right now, we got an epidemic of black men killing their women. Mm -hmm. That wasn't love. You couldn't kill somebody you loved. You know what was going on? He was addicted to her presence in his life. His illness cannot exist without her presence in his life. And because he can no longer have her presence in his life, he's going to take her life. Mm. That's not love. That's psychopathology and addiction. Wow. And you have a lot of traumatized black people running around thinking they're in love with people. You're not in love. You are simply addicted to their presence in your life. They serve a purpose for you. That's it. It's not love. And if you don't really understand what love is, <clears throat> oftentimes clinginess, attachment, thirstiness, and addiction is called love. And it's not. Love don't hurt. If it hurts, it has to be trauma. So, take, take us into love, though, because because I, I do agree with you. A lot mm -hmm. of people are confused about what love is. Right. So how would you define love? When you truly love somebody, truly, here's the thing about love. Love is unconditional. That's the first thing I want to say. Is it really? Love is unconditional. If it's conditions on it, it ain't love. It's a contract. And that's okay if both of you agree on those terms. Mm. She may agree. We have a pleasure contract. We got an economic contract where you're going to take care of me. And as long as you take care of me, I'm going to be your woman. The puff daddy arrangement. You feel me? That works <laughs> for some people. No, you have women like that. You have men like that. Right, right. I'm going to floss you up. And as long as I floss you up, you're going to be loyal to me. But that's a contract. That's not love. Contracts are different from love. Why? Contracts are conditional. Right. Love is unconditional. If I love my queen, what if she comes home one day and say, hey, baby, uh, I don't want to work this. I don't want to be a lawyer no more. But if I only married her because I like the way her law degree looks on Dr. Umar in public, you see how this goes. She's changing. But if I love her. Okay, baby, that's what you don't want to do. You want to go into something else? Let's do it. Love is, un when you love somebody, you are 100% unapologetically and unconditionally committed to that person's best interest, even if it is to your loss. What if your fiance come home and say, listen, babe, I had a long conversation with my ex-husband. I never thought I would look at this again, but we left a lot on the table together. I enjoyed the time we had. I think that man might still be my soulmate. I got to move on. I might still hurt because I loved her, right? But if that love is true, if you feel that's who you meant to spend the rest of your life with, I got to love you and want the best for you. Most of us cannot do that. What we call love is limited to your investment in me.
You see that? Yeah. Anytime they step outside of the box we created for them, we get angry because that was not love. You had conditions on it. Your woman gained 20 pounds. Now you're going to divorce her. You say, if you gain another 20 pounds, this marriage is over. That was not love. That was a contract because it had conditions. If I love that woman unconditionally, whether she gained 20, 30, 40, 50 pounds, I'm not going nowhere. Now we might need to have a conversation about her health. Because I want you around for our children to get married. You understand? But there's no such thing as ending a relationship because you stepped outside of my perfect box if you loved her. Love is unconditional. And most of what we got in the black community are contracts disguised as loving relationships. Because, you know, I mean, that's what I think of when I when I think of even the role of a man being to provide to protect. I'm thinking those are conditions like this relationship will exist between us Mm -hmm. as long as you provide and you protect it are those not conditions on the contract of love or you are correct those are a little different though because those are expected gender roles that go back to the beginning of the time in other words i know she's going to be birthing the babies i know i'm expected to be the provider even if she makes more than me so gender roles are conditions but because those are culturally determined i would put them in a separate box because we come in understanding that this is part of what you're supposed to do as a man or as a woman versus don't gain no weight. Don't lose that job. Don't your income better not drop. Don't have more than one child. You see what I'm saying? Yeah. I'm dealing with those personal conditions that you want to impose on the other person versus the conditions that the culture imposes on us as men and women. Understood. Understood. Now going back to because you were saying you we was y'all still good on the sound. We good. Yeah. No, okay. No, 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 we good. Mine went down sound. a little bit. <clears throat> there they, we they, go. They, there we go. We straight. We <laughs> okay. Excellent. So I'll, let me give them two other ones. I'm sorry. No. no yeah. No, we need we, those. We wait, wait. Hold on. Wait. Wait. Because you got. I want you to hold it because it's so much okay, to unpack. Okay, okay. Hold on to those two other okay, ones. Okay. But I really want to touch on this because you talked about being able to uh, us dealing with our pain bodies. Yes. And us not knowing exactly how to connect with one another because we really don't know who we are in that pain body. Yes. How can one, and and this for me, Mm -hmm. because I'm out here, I'm a brother who's seriously dating. I really want to look, I'm trying to get out these damn streets. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. So the reality of it is, how is a man looking to authentically know a woman, her pain body, what she really comes with uh, to unlock that version of her and her to unlock that in me as well? Mm -hmm. How does that happen? The own, first of all, it cannot happen until both of you feel the other person is a safe space for you. So it doesn't happen early on in a relationship. It happens at a point, normally after you guys have been intimate, although I don't think that's a good idea. I think it needs to come before the intimacy because intimacy tends to unlock a lot of that pain. Mm. See, So when you guys get to a point where you're pretty sure that you're interested in taking this a little further, Let's start talking about some of the things we've been through so we can understand each other a little more. Okay. You see that? The problem is people are very slow to disclose past traumas because, number one, they buried them somewhere deep within themselves and don't want to touch them again. And they fail to realize that they still exude energy and influence all throughout your life. So that's number one. She don't want to revisit the rape. So I'm not even going to bring it up to him. You see that? Yeah. That's how trauma operates. We think we can bury it. You can't. So so that's that's one issue. Number two, if I tell him this, how do I know he ain't going to share it with his mother, his best friend, his brother? We as black people have a very poor culture of confidentiality. We don't keep things confidential. Mm. You know, I look at my life, right? I've never discussed my personal intimate moments with women, with nobody. If anybody ever found out about me and a woman, I don't care if it was high school, she had to tell it because I consider the woman so sacred and her giving me that part of her so sacred. Nobody will know that this ever happened. But I knew I know few men who are like that. A lot of men are like women. They want to run and tell everything that goes on in the relationship. If there's no confidentiality in the relationship, nobody's ever going to disclose anything. Mm -hmm. A woman has to know that if I tell him this, even if we don't work out, This never goes into another person's ears. You were the same way. If you got a man who's been sexually abused or grew up in a foster home, but nobody knew it, or my mom is really my aunt because my mom left me on a step. If I tell her this and we end up not working out, is this table talk at girls' night? 
You see, so yeah. people got to really feel you're a safe space before they start to divulge that part of themselves. It's expose it, culture, right? Absolutely. Every everything, everybody is being put on blast right now, and that's exactly why a lot of us are not willing to tell our significant others the type of pain that we carry around with us every day. Because if this gets out, it'll be used against me by people who are not for me. And so in my effort to bring some healthiness into our relationship, you just unearth my trauma for the world to use against me. Mm. Trauma is a hell of a thing, gentlemen. It's a hell of a thing. People bury it and they don't like to bring it back up. And see, here's the thing. To your point, there were four things we needed as children. If you got these four things from both parents, you needed it from mom and you needed it from dad. The opposite sex parent is more relevant, though, although both are important. You needed intimacy. You needed your mother to love you and you had to feel the love. You need your father to love you and you had to feel the love. Remember, a woman's first love affair is with her father. It's mm. not sex. It's psychological. A man's first love affair is with his woman, with his mother. It's not sex. It's psychological. If my mother loved me right, I'm not afraid to love a woman when I grow up. Mm. You see that? And I have confidence that if this relationship doesn't work out, I can leave it and find another one. You see that? Yeah. If that woman's father loved her, she won't have trouble loving a man. And she's not going to walk around scared. Is he cheating? Is he going to hurt me? Because her father validated her womanhood so much that she knows if it doesn't work out, I can leave and find another one. Women who had their fathers in their lives in an intimate, healthy way. Men who had their mothers in their lives in an intimate, healthy way. They operate in the dating game completely different. If y'all think about the women you dated, who had a loving relationship with a biological father and the women you dated who did not know their father, I'm quite certain you can tell some differences between them. Trust, anger, uh, 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 vulnerability, confidence, completely different man and woman. So you need intimacy, that love. Second thing you need, and these are in no order, availability mm. was mom present in your life was dad present in your life was they at the football game was they at the basketball game did they come to the birthday parties or were they absent did you have parents who abandoned you so you got intimacy you got availability then you also have reciprocity did mom and dad do for you mm. or did you have nothing at all when your shoes got holes on them, did they get you another pair? You understand that when you were still hungry at dinner, could you get another plate? Or did you live in an environment of scarcity? So you got intimacy, you have reciprocity, you have availability, and the fourth one was trust. Could you trust your father when he gave you his word? Mm. Could you trust your mother when she gave you? If your mother dropped you off at grandmoms and said, baby, I'm going to the mall. It's 12 noon, I'm going to be back at 8 but you didn't see her for eight days later. Mm. See that? Yeah. Any trauma we got from our parents, especially the opposite sex parent, we carry over into our dating relationships. This is why nobody should be marrying anyone if you didn't meet their parents because mm. you got to know who made them because you're going to begin to see into their trauma just by being around mom and dad for a couple hours, mm. which is another reason why I don't think people should get married before they live together. Now, I know the church and the really? mass. Yes. Okay. They're going to be pissed <laughs> off at you for yes. that one. Yeah. But I have limits. Go back to what I said earlier. The reason why you got to live with someone, my maximum, and I tell women this, I'll say it here now, two years. If a woman been living under the same roof with a man consecutively for two years, he knows if he going to wife her. Facts. First of all, we men, after about six months, you got a pretty good idea whether this is, you understand? Absolutely. After a year, you pretty certain, <laughs> but you might drag it out just in case she got some skeletons that need to pop out. In <laughs> just a, in case, just right? In case. right? Right. Right. But after two years, a man knows. So when I talk to women who say, yeah, I've been living with my baby daddy for five years, he said he's still not sure. He's sure. He just don't want to tell you because he don't want to let you go free because he know how good of a woman you are and he don't want nobody else to experience that a man knows two years is my limit but the reason you got to live together is what i said earlier we know how to be the best actor hollywood ever created when we don't have to share space 
If all I'm doing is picking you up, going to dinner, going to the movies, going to the Hawks game, going to the Falcons game, going to vacation to Bermuda, we have a pleasure contract. We about to turn this into an official relationship. Well, guess what? I got things about me I don't really want you to know. But guess what? Now you live with her? You under the same roof. Now, mind you, y'all been dating for five years. It's been great. You live with her for one week. Guess what you found out in one week? You found out she don't like to wash her ass. <laughs> this is real. Right. This is real. She finds out you don't like to put the toilet seat down. You find out she can't cook. Mm. She find out you got two other cell phones and both of your baby mamas call you all through the night and talk about their personal problems with their new boyfriends. She would have never knew that if y'all never cohabitated. She not paying bills on time. Mm. You not taking out the trash. You not spending no time with her kids. Now, when you were just picking them up for dinner, you was okay with little Raekwon, <laughs> right? right? Now Raekwon in your house. You don't want shit to do with him now. You see this? <laughs> yeah. You got to live with people. You got to live with people because you never fully know someone until they drop their guard. And the, and the three conditions that normally force the ego to stop lying and tuck away the actor we like to project, pregnancy, marriage, cohabitation. Yeah. I recommend you cohabitate first before the pregnancy and the marriage so you can really know who this person is. You mm. don't know them if you ain't lived with them. But ladies, it should be a two-year limit. I will say this, That's man. I, I used to always say this. I say the people that work with you, I used to say the people that live with you and the people that work with you know you know you very well. And I say True. work because you get to see a different side of them. They work eth they work ethics, you know, their habits, their patterns in a different way as far as they grind, especially a man. Mm -hmm. But in general, man, I must say, man, I don't I, I've and I've failed at it. I failed at living with a woman. And it could be mainly because I did find these things out. But the reality of it is, too, I, it can be very confusing when you start shacking up with somebody. It's a lot of confusion involved with that. It is. But here's my question for you, though. Were you ready to compromise your personal lifestyle and the agenda you had for yourself? Because remember, relationship means compromise. If you're not ready to give up or give in on anything that's important in your life, you ain't ready for a relationship. You still need a pleasure contract because you're not ready to be accountable and you're not ready to take on responsibility for that other person. You see that? Yeah. So a lot of the confusion stems around the fact that you like her, but you're not ready to compromise the life I live. I'm not ready right. to only watch one game on Sunday with the homies when I'm normally there from 12 to 12. You see that? Yeah. I'm not ready to put in the type of time with her children that are not mine that I spend with my own. You see that? Yeah. I'm not ready to start being responsible for how I spend my money. I normally do it how I want, and she wants us to have a budget. I ain't never done no damn budget. You see, are you ready to compromise? Because two egos that are not ready to compromise can't have a relationship. That's a situationship or a pleasure contract. And again, that's all right if that's where you are. But the minute you say relationship, that means you got to give up in order to get in. Let me ask you this. I want to take the conversation in a bit mm -hmm. of a different direction. Mm -hmm. And we, we got we got all five of them. Yes, joints in. Yes, we, we got them all yes, in. Y'all better be taking some damn notes mm -hmm. because Dr. Umar is in the building. Yo, I need that translation too. Yeah, we got yeah, to. You, no doubt. You really dropped about two books. About two books. <laughs> let let me give you one point before you turn it there. Yeah. We needed that intimacy, that trust, that availability, that reciprocity, right? Right. Mm -hmm. If you didn't get them. You will spend the rest of your romantic life trying to get it fulfilled through people who are not your parents. This is where you're in a relationship with a woman and you said, I feel like her damn daddy. I don't feel like her man. She needs me to raise her. The woman says he's a little boy. I feel like more of his mother than his wife. You know why? They have unmet needs and they're trying to get them fulfilled through you. And you need to let him know that you're not his mom and he needs to go back to his mom and work on them issues or find a mother figure to work on them through because you're draining me. You're draining me. The relationship is weighing on me because I'm not just wife. I'm wife and I'm mom. I'm not just husband. I'm husband and I am dad. And this is why you got to meet them parents if they're there. And if they're not there, you better do a thorough <clears throat> psycho history interview 
with your mate to be to find out what they went through in their life. Because if you find out there was an abandonment issue, mm. there was an intimacy issue, never felt love, giving up for adoption, foster care, whatever the case may be, there was a trust issue, then you know there's a vulnerability there. And that woman or that man is going to spend the rest of their life trying to get the childhood unmet needs met. The Bible, I'm not Christian, but one thing in the Bible, it talks about how the sins of the father will visit the children until the umpteenth generation. Nothing is more true about that statement than in the world of mental health. If, if, if grandfather was an alcoholic, grandson is likely to be. Great grandson is likely to be. If great grandma was promiscuous, granddaughter is likely to be. Mm. Great granddaughter is likely to be. It is very hard to break dysfunctional family cycles and patterns. Very hard. That's why when you meet the mom, you say, I know the mom's kind of loose. <laughs> you feel me? Like, I know exactly what right, you mean. Right, right, right. Are you sure that didn't get passed down? Mm -hmm. It doesn't mean it had to. But there's a strong likelihood that it did. You got to check your partner's unmet needs because if they were not met, they're going to be looking for them to get met through you. And that's not your job, nor can you meet them because unfulfilled issues from childhood can only be fulfilled through those parents. So what I want to what I want to actually get into here and good game way to close that out. man. Right. That's good closure on that conversation. I want to talk about the leadership aspect, because a lot of the ladies, we got a lot of ladies always talking about you know, they're having troubles finding a man that's qualified to lead a family. Mm -hmm. And when you when, when we talk about a man who's qualified to lead, I want you to define the best way you can what you feel a man needs mm -hmm. to actually be able to head and lead a household. That's going to vary woman to woman. Some women want an aggressive dictator. Some women want. They'll a, never say that. They, they won't, but they do. Some women do. Other women want a man who's more of a facilitator, who takes the lead when necessary, but would much rather collaborate with his queen. You follow? So we have to look at the style of husband a woman is looking for. And to my sisters, I would challenge them respectfully. If the man you want shows up with the ability to lead, do you have enough trust in yourself in respect for black manhood to allow him the opportunity to lead you because let me tell you what i've had women tell me in therapy dr umar i found a man of my dreams takes care of me takes care of my kids i don't have to work i trust him he don't cheat no issues but guess what i was conditioned by my mother and my grandmother to never depend on a man and never let a man make decisions for you. I know he's what I need. I know I can trust him. But the conditioning in my family, the intergenerational we don't trust or respect black men has gotten so deep into my mind that the very man I waited my whole life for, I might lose because I can't get control of my issues. So when a sister say you're looking for a leader, are you ready to receive him when he shows mm. up? Mm. You see that? Yeah. Because a lot of women can't relinquish that, even though our sisters have been punished far too long because of the white man's war against the black man that sends us to the penitentiary and to the graveyard. Black women have had to lead on their own for 50, 60 years. So they've gotten so comfortable not having to answer to a man. Look at this now. You're talking about three generations. No man. Now one comes up, traditional family values, church going man, spiritual man. And she can't let him lead because even though she's tired of being in charge, there's something about the power she don't want to relinquish. Mm. And that's a big reason why a lot of women don't have husbands. It's not because they can't find them. It's because they cannot respect a man who shows up with traditional black masculine traits. Oh, so is that a bigger? So, ugh, wow. Is that a bigger issue than the fact that it's not enough of these brothers out here? Is it's it really both. It's both. Now, it's not enough of us to go around. That's true. But I will tell sisters the same thing I would tell a brother who says he can't find a good African-American woman, American-African woman. 
go to Brazil. I just came from Central America a couple of days ago. Those Afro-Latino sisters is fine. I was in Jamaica, <laughs> go to the Caribbean, go to London. There's more black women in the world than any other female. So if you're looking for a black woman, you can find one. Well, guess what, sisters? Africa has no shortage of black men. Caribbean has no shortage of black they, men. They scared of them African brothers. That's well, what I was going to say, you know what the difference is? You know what the difference well, is, right? Is in traditional African culture, the man is the man. Mm. And the woman is the woman. So the whole snapping your neck, cursing me out in public, it ain't gonna work. It's not happening in Nigeria. I'm gonna tell you right now, it's not happening in the Congo. It's not happening. You understand? <laughs> it's not happening in Botswana. You see? So if the sister wants, and don't get me wrong, they won't have to work. Those brothers on the continent and many of the brothers in the Caribbean, they are that traditional black masculinity that our sisters crave. But are you humble enough to receive that? Mm. You'll get what you want, but can you let them lead? Because that goes against the dominant uh, trend of thought coming out of the radical black feminist camp where you don't answer to no man you don't take orders from no man you don't even make a decision with a man you are in charge he is the enemy so if you're a black woman coming from a, a, a radical black feminist tradition the last thing you want is a african or caribbean brother because they not having that you're going to respect them and they're going to respect you you see in america cooking may be something that women consider to be beneath them in Africa, our sisters guard the kitchen. They don't even want you in it. They proud because what you consume keeps your spirit alive. So they are very protected. The kitchen is almost a sanctuary. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. In America, oh, I don't feel like cooking. And You see, yeah. so it's a whole different orientation. So the same thing for brothers. If you want a sister with old-fashioned female traits, go to Africa, go to the Caribbean. But sticking here in the American theater, here's a big issue that black women have to deal with we got to deal with it too this whole thing of serial monogamy versus the taboo of polygyny many black men because we get our cake and get to eat it too we are outnumbered you guys are in atlanta one of the most outnumbered states right black yeah. men black women outnumbered cities we get to have our cake and eat it too because of that we tend not to tell women the truth that very few men, especially alpha brothers, are monogamous. Most alpha men, most men, period, are polygamous. That doesn't mean they're going to have two women at the same time all the time. It means that during the course of the relationship with the primary queen, you will entertain other feminine energy along the way. Mm -hmm. we did, we're not honest with the women. We don't tell them that. We'll tell them it's only you, baby, and I love only you, baby. So every woman thinks if I find the right one, I never have to worry about having to share him when that's really not the truth for the, a lot of the men. Now, that might be an issue of preference, but then we got to look at an issue of predicament. It's not enough black men to go around. So if a sister wants an American African brother, she don't want my African brother, my Caribbean brother, my South Central American brother. She's going to have to consider a polygynous arrangement. Now, when I say that, the feminists go off. Oh, they go the, crazy. Here's Absolutely. A, I want to challenge the feminists. I got to push back on my radical black feminists because the same sister who says she will not partake in polygyny will willingly date a married man. I've seen it. So help me understand where you are against plural marriage, but you have no problem being the undercover mistress for a man who you know was married. You see that? Wow. So do you know what that tells us? What? You're not against polygamy. You're for polygamy as long as nobody know you're practicing it. Mm. So that's called hypocrisy. Wow. Damn. A, a lot of our sisters are polygynous hypocrites. I will do it if nobody <laughs> knows, but if you ask me to stand up and be accountable to the community, I'd much rather not. So it's it's pretty more pretty much you saying they people we more concerned with uh, protecting our reputation absolutely it's, than it's, it's, actually absolutely. And, and and what do sisters fear the most about being in a plural marriage? The kickback she going to get from other sisters. Yeah, it's the queendom that they fear. You dummy, what you in there for? Letting them sleep with them. now, mind you, the same person calling her a dummy. Her man got another woman too. The difference is this sister it was, is with a man who was honest enough to tell her, this is what I'm going to be about. So with me, I'm going to have two queens, only two. I don't want more than that, right? Because the older you get, the less of your life force you need to be shooting out anyway because you're going to die as young. You understand? Mm -hmm. And that's another thing us brothers need to understand. You got to get that penile syndrome, that lower chakra under control because it'll take you out of here early.
Wow. You know, remember, women are designed spiritually. They, 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 they devour our essence. You understand? They, they're man eaters in a good way. <laughs> you see? No, so yeah. as you get older, you got to slow down. Like the Chinese, they have a philosophy of the chi, which they got from us. But they say you only get a certain amount of chi. And the biggest way you lose your chi is through releasing your energy into a woman. Once your chi is dried up, the ancestors take you. That's mm. Chinese medicine. Yes. Wow. They say it comes wow. in limited amount. Once it's used up, you're out of here. So you, we have to start pulling back. But again, we are too oriented in our dating culture towards sex. And we're losing because of it. Even the women. Why do you think they're getting BBLs, breast surgery, all of this? Why? Because we have stripped our black women of the sacredness of their vagina. The black man has stripped the black woman of the sacredness of her vagina. The vagina is a sacred space. Mm. You're not even supposed to go in it unless you're willing to assume responsibility for that woman and everything that proceeds from that vagina, i.e. children. A lot of us only see the vagina as a pleasure object. You see that. Right. And because we have reduced the woman to an object, she's now reducing herself to an object to do the best she can to attract a man. If we told all black women, we are not going to be bothered with you unless you start wearing skirts again. or We're not going to be bothered with you unless you stop dressing sexually provocative. They would do it because guess what that. they love more than the BBL. Guess what they love more than the weaves and the wigs and the tight jeans. They love having a man to come home to. We control the sexual explicitivity of our women, but because we're so thirsty for how they look, it's hard for us to bring them back to a platform where they could once again be regarded as the queens we need them to be. Before, most women that I know, before they truly consider going to another country to get a black man, the first thing they do is locally just dating outside their race. Mm. Locally. That's what they consider. And I just seen your whole facial and expression. A yeah. lot of coaches and advise seen, that too. And a, lo if, if a lot of people. If you can't find connection with black men, mm -hmm. then you should go out and, and try something a little different. I want my sisters to be careful. And the reason I want my sisters to be careful, being who I am, I get a lot of stories from a lot of black women. <clears throat> I've had black women tell me they were engaged or married to white men for years, even with children, only for him to turn around and call her the N-word call her a black bitch, tell her she'll never be as good as a white woman. You understand? Because remember, all white people have that in them. Just because they're having sex with you, I don't know where we get this idea that if a white person beds you, that means they're somehow different from any other white person. Didn't Thomas Jefferson bed half the plantation? Didn't George Washington bed half the plantation? So where do we get this idea that if a white person is sexing you, they're somehow not racist? They just as racist. I had one sister send me an email. She said, Dr. Umar, my white boyfriend calls me the N-word when we're having sex. What? Yes. Wow. In fact, she called in on one of my lives and discussed it. Yeah. He calls her the N-word when they're having sex. And she wanted me to know if I felt that was acceptable. I can't believe she could. Yes. Yes. Wow. Because you got to remember, in white culture, the men believe you never really had sex unless you've been with a jungle woman, i.e. our sisters. So all white men want to access the black vagina because it's the best vagina in existence. But they only accessing it, you know, as, as, as a fetish. See, white people fetishize us. And we so in love with whiteness and we're so in love with accessing whiteness and proximity to whiteness. We don't even realize when we're being paraded around like zoo monkeys, hmm. white women fetishize black men. And the reason why they love having a black man is in a relationship with a white man. She know who's boss. Mm. When a white woman is with a white man, she know who's boss. So if she wants to be a boss, she got to get the black man. He's the only man she can have where she know she can have her way with him. And if she don't get it with his consent, she'll get it through the legal system, i.e. Jonathan Majors. Uh, mm. I can destroy your black ass whenever I feel like it. Yeah, you could be worth a, a billion dollars, Bill Cosby. But what's going to happen when I tell the courts you sexually harassed me 40 years ago? See, the white woman loves the black man because she's always in the driver's seat of the relationship.
she got the whole force of the white power structure behind her if Dang. he gets out of line. Never considered that. That is wow. And honestly, I think that's why internally I've always been shook. Like I've I, I haven't been able to truly date a white woman at all. Like I it's, it's fear built into me. I mean, oh, all yeah. throughout my childhood, you know, I grew up learning cases on Emmett Till, you know, growing up. That was put into me early. So I already knew what the situation was. You do think about, I mean, you think about, you know, when you see the police, think about when you see a group of man. white men. Or I even think about with the black woman. Oh, yeah. It's going to be thinking about me while I'm with them. You just, you just out there. Unprotected. I just, absolutely. I don't date women who have had sex with non-African men. Even if it was just an experience? Yes. Wow. Wow. If they sex them, a date, I can live with that. A kiss, disgusting, but I might swallow it. <laughs> oh, my God. But if she gave, if she gave that honeycomb hideout to a devil, if she gave her cookies to that Caucasian slayer, I cannot go back into that cave after she let a neanderthal enter it i cannot do it she has disrespected her vagina and every female ancestor we've ever had i cannot do wow. it wow strong words from dr johnson